You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Locked on Bucks. It's Frank Madden. No Eric name tonight. It's Friday. We normally don't record on Fridays, but you know what? When the Milwaukee Bucks win a game on the road in Boston in the second round of the playoffs, I feel like we need to talk about that, people. Um, it's locked on Bucks. It's also locked on MVP Giannis Adetokounmpo. It's locked on give me back that goddamn home court advantage. It is a good night for Bucks fans everywhere as the Bucks claim a, I don't know if hard fought is the right word. Uh, it, it, it got dragged out a bit at the end, but a, a very important 123-116 win in Boston this evening. Giannis Adetokounmpo, 32 points, 13 rebounds, 8 assists, 3 blocks, 2 steals, 8 out of 13 from the field, 16 of 22 from the foul line. The MVP was the story tonight. Did get some help, notably from George Hill off the bench. He was tremendous, especially with Eric Bledsoe looking rough. Uh, Chris Middleton's slow start really came on in the second half. Finished with a very Chris Middleton-like line. 20 points on 12 shots. 3 out of 6 from deep. 5 assists, 4 rebounds, 3 steals in 39 minutes. Both Giannis and Chris playing 39 minutes, so... They got stretched out as Bud shortened his rotation. We'll talk a bit more about those changes. Um, Looking on the other side, Kyrie Irving did bounce back uh, a bit. But 8 out of 22 from the the field, 29 points. Certainly much better than the 4 out of 18 he was last game. But um, not an easy night for him. Uh, Also had 4 turnovers in 42 minutes. Jason Tatum, nice bounce back game from him. 20 points, 14 shots, 11 rebounds, 3 steals. Uh, he was much better than he had been, but minus 15. Um, he just struggles defensively. I, I mean, it, I don't know how many times he ended up with Giannis near him and just fouled him and just sort of looked at the ref and looked almost like he was complaining, but it might have just been him feeling like he has no chance of stopping Giannis without fouling him, which is probably, probably more accurate. Um but ultimately, just uh, a bit too much from uh, the Bucks A-listers in the end. Uh, Celtics hung around. Bucks led by as many as 17 in the fourth quarter. They really put down the accelerator at the end of the third quarter. George Hill and Giannis really leading the way uh, in that third, especially Hill kind of closing out the third. Uh, Bucks score 40 in that third quarter and then extend to as many as 17 in the fourth um, before Boston uh, I, I don't, I, I'd have to check the final numbers. I think they were something of like, uh, 15 out of 15 at one point, And then they hit a few more. they hit 30 out of 32 total from the line tonight, which is a big departure from what we've seen from them, uh, overall in this series. And just generally bucks missed a lot of free throws, 24 out of 36. 
gave the Celtics a, a slight glimmer of hope at times in that fourth quarter, but ultimately um, the better team won won this game. And uh, we'll we'll get into it a bit here. Bucks though reclaiming the two to one lead, uh, which is obviously crucial heading into Monday's game in Boston. Obviously, that game you win that and head back to Milwaukee up three one. Obviously, you love where you're sitting, but um, for now, uh, the next couple of days see how the Celtics adjust. But uh, jumping into it, I'll, I'll cover it like I have sort of these other post-game pods. We'll look at your three bucks, three three bucks players to highlight for their performances. We'll talk about three key numbers from this game that, that are um, kind of standout numbers to look at. And we'll talk about kind of three broadly good themes and three bad themes uh, to kind of dig into. Um, three bucks, I mean, you start with Giannis. I mean, you know, again, the, the numbers tonight are... Um, uh, it's a line that, you know, I, I don't know how many guys can put up a line like this with regularity, but Giannis might be the only one, you know, may, maybe KD, uh, maybe LeBron, maybe Anthony Davis can put up a 32, 13, 8, 2, 3 line with some regularity. But um, this was really vintage Giannis. He did pretty much all his damage at the rim and from the line tonight. The Celtics just had no answers Bucks did a really nice job of of getting Giannis the ball um, in a little more space than normal. I think the the Celtics looked a little more wary of of collapsing on him the way they did in the first couple games. Uh, this looked a lot more like many of the other games we've seen by Giannis against the Celtics, including the first three games this season in the regular season, where a lot of Giannis being able to go one on one with guys and and just being able to overwhelm guys and you know, 22 free throws uh, coming off a game in which he had 18. Um, again, it's just so hard for Boston defenders to be able to keep up with him, especially when they are switching Horford or just generally switching because it's, it means that the Bucks can get other guys on him other than, than just Al Horford. And tonight we saw Celtics going smaller a lot more. We saw a lot more Shemi Ojale, very little Aaron Baines, um, I don't, you know, I don't know if that helped a lot. Ojale did hit a couple of threes, um, but overall, you know, again, you're not going to stop Giannis <laughs> uh, with with just Shemi Ojale and uh, the Celtics gang tackling. I think just just wasn't as effective um, as it has been in uh, in, in the, especially that first game, obviously. So um, that I thought made made a big difference. And you know, again, Giannis, um, 14 points in the eight points in the first quarter, six in the second. Uh, adds another eight and then 10 in the fourth quarter, just a consistent night throughout. He was the engine room for the Bucks, and, um, you know, again, just physically uh, dominating his distribution and playmaking was uh, really good. Uh, some of the reads he had uh, tonight were, were great. Did have five turnovers, um, picked up a charge. I think, you know, I think in the first two games he had, didn't have more than two turnovers in either, which is kind of uncharacteristic. Um, you know, ironically, some of Giannis's better games, have been where he has more turnovers. Uh, so ironically had struggled in the paint, but didn't get a lot of turnovers in the first two games, this game more turnovers, but uh, does obviously a great job of, of getting a lot of uh, shots right uh, at the basket area tonight. And just, again, just overwhelming uh, the smaller Celtics defenders. And again, the Celtics trying to go smaller for much of this night um, and just, just couldn't quite, couldn't quite make it work. And, you know, Giannis went at Al Horford in the first couple minutes a couple times and um, got one bucket on, on Horford driving to the rim, which is something he kind of reminded me of, like, what he's done typically, right? Horford in space. I mean, look, Horford has probably about as good a shot at anybody at containing Giannis one-on-one, but 
let's be honest, nobody really <laughs> has, has that good of a shot of doing that. So um, again, just over the course of 48 minutes, just really tough to contain him. Also, 39 minutes from Giannis. We saw Bud stretch out both Giannis and Chris Middleton tonight. We've been wondering if that would happen at some point. Tonight it did. Uh, talk a bit more about the rotations here uh, in a couple minutes. But, um, you know, for Giannis, three blocks as well. Um, just highlight real type blocks. Uh, the rim protection, a couple of steals. You know, again, he um, he. this was one of those games that you kind of throw onto the uh, defensive player of the year. Uh, highlight reel just because of the kind of ground he covered and his switchability and and uh, just everything he showed so um, again just if you're a Bucks fan this is just exciting to see Giannis doing this in you know again a second round playoff series with pressure on the road this is what superstars did and and this is what Giannis is doing now so uh, definitely want to start with him um, talk about everything that Giannis did but you know, if there was an X factor tonight, I, t- I talked this afternoon. I was on uh, the Bill Michaels show on uh, 105.7 The Fan and um, got asked, you know, is Eric Bledsoe the X factor? And I think you could certainly make the case that Bledsoe is the X factor, just given how wildly he has swung from game one bad to game two great. Um, unfortunately, tonight he was, especially offensively, just really bad, just uh, decision-making. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about him in the three bad section, but... Um, it was absolutely essential that George Hill have a really good game tonight. Um, Bledsoe had some really foul trouble, which, uh, to be honest, was probably a blessing to get him off the court, just the way he was playing offensively. Uh, well, less so defensively, but um, Hill came in 29 minutes, hit 9 out of 12, 21 points, 3 assists, no turnovers, a uh, plus 8 in those minutes. And, uh, you know, again, just, man, got to the rim a few times, had a, had a dunk out of a half-court drive. Um, just looking really quick, uh, you know, obviously he's had injuries, um, and he looks so good right now. He's been big for this Bucks team since Malcolm Brogdon had his injury, but, uh, what he was able to do tonight, I mean, it, it definitely is so critical, especially with Brogdon's injury and, and missing him, but to be able to lean on George Hill, the way the Bucks were tonight, uh, you can't say enough about what he's done. And, and fortunately this has not been, uh, uh, a rare occurrence of late that we can say that about George Hill. He he's really good defensively and he's just been really good offensively now as well for a while. And, and that's so essential. I mean, I don't know exactly how the bucks could retain George Hill this summer. Unfortunately, he's got that um, monster last year. That's only $1 million guaranteed. You know, he's all but locked to get bought out for that 1 million. I mean, again, the bucks could re-sign him for something, but probably not much, especially if you're trying to bring back Brooke Lopez, um, interesting question, you know, against the Celtics team, I think George Hill is more important than Brooke Lopez. Um, but, uh, enjoy him while we can, let's say that, um, because again, uh, George Hill may not be a guy the Bucks can retain this summer, but he is, uh, coming up huge, especially with that Brogdon injury, continuing to keep him out uh, of games. Brogdon looks close, but, um, until he comes back, Hill is just such a luxury to have off the bench. Um, and then the third buck with apologies to Pat Connaughton, I got to go to Chris Middleton. Uh, you know, he's obviously been a Celtic killer. We've talked about his ridiculous shooting percentages against the Celtics tonight, six out of 12, three out of six from three, five out of six from the line, five assists, four rebounds, three steals, um, did have five turnovers, but 20 points in 39 minutes. Uh, I believe he only had two out of six shots, uh, in the first half. I think he only had four points to half, if I remember correctly, uh, but had a four point play very early in the third quarter 
and from there just got started to get things going and it looked like the uh, Mike Budenholzer was intentionally staggering him and Giannis a bit more uh, intentionally than he has in previous uh, games or really all season um, and and that's huge because Middleton has been terrific in a, as a volume scorer when Giannis is off I mean some really interesting numbers I think we've talked about it at, at times but I mean I think the Bucks with Chris on and Giannis off were like plus 12 net rating this year versus plus nine with Giannis and Chris together a lot of that obviously because of the fact that you're going against bench units with uh with Giannis off but um Chris again was able to to let them take Giannis to the bench late in the third quarter uh and between him and Hill I thought they were just really good at stepping up and making shots and uh, and just keeping the pressure on uh, on uh, the the Boston uh, Boston defense um, and again you know I mean look at it like it felt like Tatum was was so much better tonight but you know you look at the box score Tatum 20 points on 14 shots did have those 11 rebounds but was Jason Tatum better than Chris Middleton no I think especially when you factor in the defense um, you know everybody's being asked to do more with a lot of the switching that they're doing including on Kyrie um, but guys like Middleton, I think just, they really shine in, in a system like this, where he's now actually being asked to defend guys of different sizes as well. So, um, I'll give Chris the, the shout out as, as the third star tonight. Um, let's talk about some, some, some of the numbers. I think the one that, that kind of jumped out at me first was 52 to 24. That was the Bucks advantage in the paint. This was a much more typical night in terms of shot chart distribution, uh, versus the first couple games, Bucks, I think we're at 34 points in the paint in game two. Uh, I believe it was 26 in game one. Those are ridiculously low numbers. And this is a Bucks team you expect to see in the 50s pretty much every game, high 40s, low 50s every game. And for the Celtics to choke off the opportunities uh, in the paint as much as they have, it, it, it's a huge deal. I mean, this is why we have been concerned about, obviously, Giannis's ability to really uh, dominate the way we know he can. But tonight, um, this was much more of a, a Bucks type performance. Uh, Giannis made eight shots. All of them were in the paint. So 16 points in the paint plus 16 free throws. Um, those are not counted in those paints in the point numbers. But, um, you know, Giannis, obviously the anchor of the Bucks rim attack and, and guys like Hill and even Bledsoe got to the rim uh, a few times, including a couple times in the fourth quarter. He got an early one that, that extended the Bucks lead to 13 and then had a pretty important lefty drive and finish uh, when the Celtics were starting to chip away at it. So again, really encouraging to see the Bucks start to carve up uh, Boston inside. And again, game three, you know, every game they're going to be adjustments. You, you kind of are curious to see well, what is Boston going to do after the Bucks look much better offensively in that game too. And, um, I think it's a lot of credit to, to Mike Budenholzer that Bucks, you know, took, took the adjustments that the Celtics made, which again was largely going smaller. And the Bucks said, okay, we, we're going to punish you inside. And, um, you know, I think the second numbers, I think looking at the, 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 the three point numbers is interesting. Uh, Boston 16 out of 40. I think that's a concern for the Bucks. Um, you know, giving up 43 point attempts is a lot, Bucks had 47 last game to this game, 37 hit 15. That's 40.5%. Celtics were at 40% even. So the team's pretty much washed in the three point department, which, you know, again, I think if you're the Bucks, if you can wash the three point numbers, um, given what you should be doing in terms of rim domination and the fact that normally the Bucks don't foul very much, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, I think you'd normally feel very good if you, especially on the road, if you pretty much cancel out the three point shooting, um, 
bit of a concern. First couple games, uh, Celtics were held uh, 31 in the first game. I believe 28 last game. So Bucks actually doing a pretty good job of limiting three-point shots in those first two games. Tonight, 40. Um, but again, uh, the, the irony was you kind of look who hit him. I mean, Marcus Morris at four out of five. Jalen Brown, three out of seven. Uh, Bucks got sloppy, especially with some of the corner corner three coverages, kind of broke down. Um, but, you know, Horford, three out of five, including one of those very late in the game. Um, not, not as much room for him to operate. Kyrie two out of eight. Uh, so you can live with that, right? Kyrie Irving not really getting loose. Had Brooke Lopez on him a couple times on switches and took one like 28 foot three that he missed, took another long two that he missed. Um, I thought it was, it was very interesting to see kind of the teams dueling from three point range tonight, but overall uh, kind of a wash from there, which, which ultimately is a positive. And, um, you know, I think it kind of goes back to, um, you know, the getting at the, the paint point numbers, you know, Bucks, first game being in the 30s in terms of two-point percentage tonight, 59% versus 46% for Boston. Again, just speaking to the Bucks and Giannis in particular, being able to get to the rim and finish versus Boston. You know, again, this is not their game. They are not a team that excels by getting to the rim and finishing uh, in the paint. And again, we saw that tonight in this, this game much more typical in that, you know, unlike these first couple of games when Boston surprisingly beat the Bucks in the paint, Tonight looked a lot more like a typical game. And I think, you know, again, when you think about adjustments and coaching and what's happening, the fact that as the series has gone on, these teams have looked more and more like the regular season teams that we saw this year, which obviously when you're the Bucks and you were a 61 team compared to a 49 win team in Boston, the more you can get these games looking like games that we saw in the regular season, obviously that's a big positive, but, you know, credit to, uh, to Budenholzer in particular for some of the adjustments he's made. And, you know, tonight we saw Celtics tweak some things, obviously going smaller, didn't work, uh, didn't work defensively. The Bucks 117 offensive rating defense could have been better. Uh, the fourth quarter, uh, probably didn't help with some of the fouling, but, uh, 110 defensive rating ultimately, as long as your offensive rating's better than theirs, uh, you can live with it. But um, you know, this game could have been didn't didn't have to be as, as close as it was, which you know again kind of speaks volumes about how well the Bucks played in the second half. Um, talking about kind of three good. I mean, game three is typically a turning point in a series, especially a close series. Teams that win game three to go up two to one win seventy two percent of the time. So obviously, if you're the Bucks you like those numbers, you, you like those odds. Um, and perhaps more interestingly, um, teams that lead a series two to one win 79% of the time. Now you might be asking, why are those numbers different? Well, if you win the first two games, you can lose the third game, still be up two one, and you're not in that first category, but that means that you were the home court team and won those first two games typically. And, and typically, you know, again, if you're the home, you have home court, you're probably the better team anyway, <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, and so you're going to have an advantage there. So clearly the uh, skills have tipped towards the Bucks pretty significant by, significantly by winning this game. Um, but obviously much, much work left to do with the next game on Monday. But obviously, you know, again, home court has been returned to the Bucks. Now they can, in theory, just take care of business, win their next uh, two home games and lose two games in Boston if it came to that and still win this series. Again, you hope the Bucks can win on Monday and then go home with a chance to close it out, but um, at a minimum, you're not under the same pressure that uh, that you might have otherwise been on. And to be honest, it's, it's just interesting because we talk about pressure and, and you know sometimes it can be bad. Um, 
I mean, game two, I think the Bucks showed that that pressure was good. Um, they really responded to the pressure of needing to win game two. Um, game four, they're not going to be under certainly that much pressure in the same way as they have in these other t- three games. Um, but you you kind of hope they feel it. You kind of hope they play with the urgency, obviously, that, uh, that we saw tonight and, and in game two in particular. Um, next area uh, of kind of good themes that, that we want to talk about, the bench. Um, huge nights from Hill and Pat Connaughton. Arlington, Massachusetts native, Pat Connaughton. Arlington is a uh, suburb of Boston, very close to uh, Cambridge on the red line. Uh, as someone who lived in Boston and lived on the red line uh, of the subway for geez, a decade, no, longer, uh, way too long. Let's not talk about it. Um, I can say uh, this must have been a really sweet night for Pat Connaughton. Uh, he hit a couple of threes in the first quarter that were really big when the Bucks were kind of, it was basically Giannis getting some buckets and everybody else looking kind of tight. And Connaughton hit a couple of early threes off the bench and then got another put back, giving him eight points in that first quarter. 14 total, seven rebounds, two steals, a block for him in 28 minutes. Um I mean, is it a good sign that Pat Connaughton is playing almost 30 minutes a game in the playoffs? Uh, I don't know about that. Um, You know, again, his discipline defensively can be all over the place. Uh, His three-point shot comes and goes. Tonight, four out of nine from three. Um, He was really good tonight. And again, like his physicality, uh, his athleticism on defense, and his ability, obviously, to kind of play the Bucks way. Um, You know, he'll attack the rim or he'll shoot long threes. That's pretty much what he does. He plays with defensive intensity uh, when he channels it properly. He's a lot of fun to watch and, and a guy who has helped the Bucks, I think, a lot this year. Um, so big shout-out to to Pat and, and George Hill. Um, we did see Nico Meritich start for the second straight game in Sterling Brown's stead. Uh, Sterling did not play a minute tonight. Um, Tony Snell played six minutes, and I don't know if he would have played at all if not for the fact that Bledsoe was in foul trouble and struggling. Uh, those minutes came, I think, all in the first half. Um, you know, it seemed like Bud was moving towards trying to play an eight-man rotation. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that here in a second. But um, the bench was was just really big, and you look at it, 42 to 16 differential between uh, the Bucks bench and. Uh, and the Celtics bench. And there was a long stretch there in the first two quarters where the Celtics bench hadn't done really anything. Um, you know, Gordon Hayward actually ended up having a reasonably solid night, 10.7 rebounds, five assists, but just two out of eight shooting. I think the Bucks they still went over on screen, some of the screens with Hayward. Um, but man, it's just Hayward. Everybody's been so desperate to call Hayward back from his injury. And you understand why, you know, I mean, it, it was obviously a horrible injury, really tough to come back from that. Struggled those first few months of the season and showed more signs of life over the last month or two. But he was really bad in game two. And tonight, again, it's just, you know, when he drives into the paint, I mean, he's a good playmaker. He just doesn't look like he can finish. And, you know, no better example of that than the fact that he went up and got blocked at the rim by, by Ursan tonight um, in a pretty, pretty big moment of the game. Uh, at the end of a quarter um, when, you know, if he gets a dunk or gets a finish, um, it potentially changes the momentum a bit. Instead, he gets blocked. And, you know, again, like uh, he just doesn't look like he can be as aggressive as he wants to be, even when he's going downhill, even when he's going on a switch or something like that. It just doesn't seem like he can really punish 
the Bucks the way that that the Celtics might need him to. And you know, other than him, Ojale hit two threes uh, in 11 minutes, so that was a positive. But also five fouls on Giannis in 11 minutes, um, including a charge. Giannis actually took a charge on Sammy Ojale, which was hilarious. And I don't know if I've ever seen Giannis set up for a charge and actually pull it off the way he did tonight. Uh, it was hilarious given it was against a guy who just constantly falls down trying to take charges against him. So um, that part had to be kind of amusing. Um, but other than him, Terry Rozier, 14 minutes, 0 for 3, 0 points. Baines only played two minutes. Tice played three minutes. Um, you know, again, the, the the vaunted Celtics depth just didn't pan out. We just didn't see uh, that depth translate into into much you know return off the bench. And Jalen Brown played well, had another big dunk uh, with Giannis in the vicinity, um, but fouled out uh, after scoring 18 points on 12 shots. And uh, you know, again, it, it's it's just. Uh, it's tough for the Celtics when they're not getting that that help from their bench, and the Bucks are getting such big contributions from a guy like George Hill, even even with Bledsoe struggling. Um, let's talk about adjustments last. I thought there were more adjustments tonight that were worth talking about, and it's interesting, especially after the Bucks kind of look more like themselves. Like, okay, do the Bucks do anything different from Game Two to Game Three? Um, I'll have to watch the game again, um, but it felt like we saw Brooke Lopez switching. Uh, from the five spot onto the point guard way more tonight than we did really at any point in game two. Um, you know, it's funny. Kyrie was looked like he was kind of forcing stuff a little bit when Brooke was on him. Um, and it's kind of, it kind of makes sense because if Kyrie sees Brooke Lopez on him, he feels like, Oh, I got to make a, make something happen here. Um, but you know, obviously if that ends up in a long three or a uh, contested two point shot, you're kind of okay with it. Um, and, I thought the other interesting thing was Brooke actually, they actually went to Brooke Lopez when he had a mismatch. He got uh, a post up on Hayward and he just backed him right under the rim and looked like he got fouled and finished anyway. Didn't get the call. Um, but uh, th- that's something I think is going to be interesting to watch. He was plus 10 in 29 minutes tonight, three out of six from the field, one out of four threes, six rebounds, one assist, two blocks, seven points. You know, not, not a big night, um, but maybe a little bit more, um, maybe a little bit more of uh, a recipe for trying to get Brooke going. Uh, we talked previously about, you know, can you get Lopez out there more against Baines tonight? There wasn't a Baines <laughs> really to play against because he barely played. Um, and so I think, you know, again, if you're going to play Brooke, you're going to either have to live with him switching more, which tonight you kind of got away with. Um, and I think, I think people, especially people who didn't watch Brooke, you know, when you had to switch at times this season, I think Brooke is better at it than people give him credit for. Uh, we talked about that stat about, you know, when centers switching out onto uh, onto smaller players, Brooke's defensive rating was the, actually the best of any center this year, which is kind of crazy. Um, not, a, not a big sample, obviously. Um, but I thought, you know, again, like, can you, can you try to get him against mismatches, especially if Giannis is out of the game? You know, there's got to be ways that you can kind of better leverage Brooke Lopez's skill set. Uh, he also had another nice... Uh, uh, glacial fate. Well, I don't know if it was a glacial facial. There wasn't really anybody kind of he was dunking on, but he had another kind of closeout attack, slow, uh, plate tectonic like uh, rumbling drive and dunk at one point as well, which was fun to watch. Um, but uh, but again, Brooke I think is obviously a really key guy just in terms of can you get away with his you know limitations defending pick and pops um, tonight. Horford, very efficient, 17 points on eight shots, three out of five from three, eight rebounds, five assists. But 
three turnovers, four fouls. He really was not able to punish the Bucks when the Bucks switched onto him. So I thought that was interesting. You know, Corford's kind of crude when he tries to post up. He's very, you know, trying to just bash you over the head, back you down. Um, when the Bucks kind of let him do that and then sent late doubles, they were able to force turnovers off him. Uh, he did not look as comfortable doing that as as he does when he's kind of doing the dribble handoffs and um, playing more from uh, from kind of a high pick and roll type set. So I thought, you know, even with his 17 points on eight shots, it, it just didn't feel like he was in his comfort zone as much. And, you know, again, only eight shots. You can kind of live with that, right? A number of those free throws came late when the game was kind of over. Um, other uh, adjustments kind of thing, things to look at. I, you know, we've talked about shortening rotations and the Bucks have kind of looked settled on a nine-man rotation. It looked tonight like Bud was trying to go with an eight-man rotation until uh, that Bledsoe foul trouble slash poor play kind of derailed that. Um, so Snell gets a few minutes. Um, but I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens in game four. Does he play eight guys, meaning, you know, basically Ilyasova, uh, Connaughton, and, uh, and Hill, obviously, off the bench. I think that that could happen in, in game four. will be interesting to watch. I, I think that's fine, to be honest. I mean, I, unfortunately, I don't, you know, Tony Snell is as solid as he was during the regular season. I mean, he's barely played really since coming back from that ankle injury. I don't know what kind of rhythm he has. Uh, tonight, got his shot blocked a couple times, did have a finish off a nice Giannis pass at one point, um, but kind of a, you know, sort of quiet Tony Snell type game otherwise, just six minutes. So, hard to, to kind of judge him too harshly on that but um sterling obviously out of the rotation entirely this game and after the first you know couple games i can't really blame bud that much so uh i think that'll be an interesting to watch here in game four whether we really are down to an eight-man rotation and again i think the biggest advantage there is not you know oh we can play pat Connaughton more it's that you're extending Giannis and chris out to more minutes, hopefully again George Hill more minutes. Um, I think that'll be something that will be uh, will be an interesting thing to watch. Um, again, we saw a lot of switching tonight. I think we also though saw some um, some sloppiness in that department. So let's start looking at kind of the three bad, uh, three three concerning areas to take away from tonight. Um, offensively, I mean, 17 turnovers. I think there was uh, especially Bledsoe. The you know there was some questionable passing. Um, at times that, that left some things to be desired, but I think defensively it was more, kind of the more of the concern area. Um, you know, and this is the challenge when you try to go from being a team that doesn't really switch to being a team that's switching a lot more. There were moments where the Bucks looked like they just didn't kind of know what they were doing. Were they switching? Were they going over? Were they um, trying to stick with their man? And that translated into some open shots. Um, just some poor communication, getting back on defense a few times. I think typically the Bucks are very good at that. There were few examples of just guys not really getting back or knowing where they were supposed to be leading to open shots, including open threes. Um, in that first half, I think the Celtics hit four corner threes, I believe. Um, they were getting just some, some good looks from their off ball movement. Bucks maybe just being a little bit too over aggressive at times in their help, uh, especially given just, you know, again, the Celtics are not a team that is going to kill you going to the rim, um, you know, just repeatedly during a game. So, I think there were definitely some things that uh, Budenholzer and company are, are going to be able to look at from a tape perspective and try to clean up going into game four. Um, fouls in particular, we know the Bucks don't like to foul. <laughs> that has been a hallmark of Bud teams and this team in particular. 
Uh, and tonight, as I mentioned, I mean, they, the Celtics just lived at the line in the fourth quarter. Ultimately, it didn't, didn't really hurt you. Um, but, you know, again, the Bucks were up by as many as 17. They were pretty comfortably ahead by double digits for much of that fourth quarter. And then, um, you know, the foul line kind of betrayed the Bucks. A uh, lot of fouls as the Celtics started to get more aggressive going to the rim. Um, we saw uh, the Bucks also missing free throws. They were just 24 out of 36 from the line. Thankfully, Giannis, after uh, going, I think he made one out of his first three, then goes 15 of 19 the rest of the way. So that was nice. Um, but uh, Bledsoe in particular, 0 for 4 from the line, uh, including some in the fourth quarter. I mean, it's just like, dude, come on, man. Like, jeez. Um, he also missed a couple at the end of a quarter that uh, I think it was at the was it at the end of the third quarter? I'd have to double check, but um, just just stuff that's like, man, dude, come on. Um, just four out of 15, nine points, four turnovers, four assists, uh, the 0 for 4 from the foul line, 1 for 6 from 3 for Bledsoe, and he's probably the the last thing to, to talk about in terms of the the bad news uh, in the bad news department for the Bucks. Um, man, it's tough. He looked so good in game two. Uh tonight just uh, I mean I think overall I mean his defensive effort was there um he had some really nice stretches denying uh Kyrie the ball um using again that physical physicality and athleticism um but ah uh, man there were also just I, I mean end of the first quarter uh he bullies uh Marcus Morris for a bat bucket kind of stares at him then uh, is trying to catch up to Kyrie, try, who's trying to get up a, a last-ditch shot at the end of the first quarter, ends up basically being all over him. I don't even know if he fouled him, to be honest, um, but just being way overly aggressive on like a fading sideline three-point shot from Kyrie, fouls him, gives away three points. You should have been down 27-25 after the end of the first quarter instead of you're down 30-25. to um, Had another play where... Uh, he tried to kind of sneak back around and deny Kyrie on a uh, inbound after a basket. I think this was in the second half, and Kyrie ended up then getting ahead of him. Bledsoe was out of the play. They ended up getting a layup because you know Brook Lopez was basically left to to try to deal with Kyrie in a, in a head of steam. So again, just stuff that man, you you really just can't afford to have from you know a guy that for long stretches of the season, arguably for the entire season, was your second most productive player uh, in Eric Bledsoe. Uh, you need more from him. So in a lot of ways, it kind of feels like you got lucky tonight that you were able to kind of overcome Bledsoe being bad. Okay, granted, I, the Bucks did not get lucky in winning this game. They deserved it. But, you know, they dodged a bullet. Let's just say that. you uh, If you told me that Bledsoe would score nine points on 15 shots tonight, uh, I would have groaned. I would have said, you know, the the curse of of uh of the garden continues to to haunt him um and i would have thought the bucks had a, a an uphill battle to win this game but um thankfully george hill in particular kind of picked up the slack and, and helped the bucks overcome uh that issue and i think that's it for now at least um we'll definitely uh i'll definitely come back and podcast with eric at some point this weekend probably on sunday uh, so we'll probably have a preview pod for you late Sunday night or Monday. Um, it's the weekend, so as much as I'm a lame dad who just kind of hangs around with his uh, 16-month-old daughter and just tries to uh, keep her alive most of the time, um, 
probably not another podcast before late Sunday or Monday. Um, but between now and then, enjoy it. You got a couple days to uh, soak in a Bucks win. Uh, I, I don't know if statement game is the right thing because the statement obviously is winning, trying to win the series and, and getting that that lead in the series and kind of reminding people how good you were during the regular season. But um, I think for Bucks fans, this is a nice statement. We don't have to listen to the national media proclaim the Bucks are dead or proclaim the Bucks are frauds or not what they claim to be or anything like that. We can actually have a couple days where people are reminded that, oh yeah, the Bucks are freaking damn good as a basketball team. Uh, so, so enjoy that. Enjoy your weekends. Uh, and uh, again, um, look forward to talking to you on Monday ahead of game four. Until then, Frank Madden signing off. Eric name, check out Eric's stuff in the athletic. I'll be back with Eric uh, on Sunday and uh, have a great weekend, everybody. And uh, look forward to talking to you on Monday.